Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. I'm excited about the Word. I'm excited about the book of Revelation. You know the book of Revelation is a part of the Word of God? You know, it's just, as much, it's just as much the Word of God as the book of anything in the Bible. Book of Genesis. It's just as much as, of, of the Bible as the book of Matthew. And just like any book of the Bible, we need the Holy Spirit to give us the understanding. To teach us. And to show us great and wonderful things. And just like any book of the Bible, uh, it's full of the truth of God. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So guess what the book of Revelation is going to do to you and me? Now set us free. Going to set us free because we, we get into it in faith. Excited, excited to hear from God. Can you say amen? amen. So we started uh, last week and uh, we went through chapter 1 and chapter 2. And so tonight we're going to jump into chapter 3. And the Lord here is uh, right in the middle of bringing forth messages to the seven churches in Asia. But like we said last time, these messages are not limited to the churches of that day. But really, they are for the churches of today. Because today there are seven such churches in the world. There are seven different types of churches in the world today. And, uh, and that's why it's here in the book of Revelation for us to be able to understand that and learn from that. So I'm not going to review because we've got a whole book of Revelation to cover. We've got a lot of things to cover, but you can always go back and re-listen to these things. They've been recorded, and you can go back and listen to them for your edification. Uh, but we're jumping into chapter 3, and we're looking at uh, the church at Sardis. Verse 1, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, right, again, angel there, translates messenger, and the messenger of the church would be the pastor, and so it's a message to the pastor, the leader of the church, to give to the congregation. And so he says, verse uh, 1, these things is he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name. That you're alive, but you are dead. In other words, you're breathing air. That's true. You have a pulse. Your heart is beating. And you are alive. But he said, but you are dead. Dead. Now, he's talking to one of the churches. So we know these are folks that have been born again. They've been made spiritually alive. Because that's what happens when a person's born again. They're made spiritually alive. Before that, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were dead in trespasses and sins. Spiritually dead. So these people are born again. We could say spiritually alive. Spiritually alive. Physically, of course, alive. But yet Jesus says, yet even though you're born again, spiritually alive, physically alive, you're dead. As far as a church goes. You're a dead church. And we've all, I think, heard that expression about, oh, that's a dead church. Well, that's biblical. That's scriptural. That's the church at Sardis. Dead. Dead. Where the things of God, where the word of God, the teaching of God has just become formality. It's no longer a living, breathing relationship with the living God. No longer is God breathing into their lives fresh revelation from heaven. They're teaching the word, but it's just dead. There's no spirit in it. It's just become principles to to live your life by. Good standards for moral living. But the word of God is not just to be 
a good standard for moral living. It's to be living in us and living through us. God's word is alive and powerful and it is to be empowering you and I so that he is leading us and his word is leading us and guiding us in life. Literally leading us and guiding us. It's not us using the word to live our life. It's the word living its life, which is the life of God, through us. Big difference. A lot of people take the word and try to use it to live their life. Rather than let the word live its life through them. We got to let the word live its life through us. And we got to watch. Because this church was alive. That's how they started out. But now... They're dead. They, they're dead. It's just become tradition to them. Jesus said that to the religious people of his day. He said to them, he said, by your traditions, you've made the word of God of no effect. I mean, you've taken the power right out of it. And there's so many people, they've taken the power right out of the word of God. They don't know God. Oh, they know the Bible, but they don't know God. Right, Just like Jesus, when he came on the scene, you know, he told the religious people of his day, he said, you know, you talk about the scriptures, teach the scriptures, and, uh, and they are that which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me. See, they missed the whole thing. It was just teaching. It was just doctrine. But they didn't know the heart of God. They didn't, they didn't let God live his life through them. So we got to watch about just, well, this is what we do. You know, we go to church and we read the Bible and we pray and we have our devotions and then we, it just becomes a rut, a ritual. It just becomes a religion. And it's not a real relationship with the living God. So we got to keep drawing near to him. We should be growing in our love for the Lord. We should be growing in our relationship for him. So we got to stay on top of ourselves. We got to watch that. Because any one of us can fall into that and begin to lose respect for the things of God and lose the awe and wonder of the word of God and the presence of God and the teaching of the spirit of God. We can lose that if we just live our lives out of the head. If we just approach God with our heads. If we just approach God with our intellects and we're not approaching him with our whole heart. So we just dive in with the whole heart into him. Can you say amen? The next church is the church at Philadelphia. And uh, they were not a big church, but uh, they were a faithful church. They were faithful in keeping the word of God. And I, I like the church of Philadelphia, so, so I'm going to read some of it. It says, and to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these things is he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you. Have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie indeed, I'll make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Notice, this is the only church of the seven churches that he has no correction for. There's no rebuke, it's just praise. This is a successful church. This is a good, not the most popular church in town. I believe when he says, you know, you have a little strength. I, I mean, that, that has something to do with the size of the church, the amount of people in the church. You, you, you might not be this big mega church, but oh man, you are faithful. You are successful. You're a church that's, Doing it right. You're doing it right. And, and what's the thing that's keeping them right? What's, why are they such a faithful church? What's keeping them on course and not getting off course? Like the six other churches, they all were good, but they all got, all got off somewhere. Why didn't this church get off? 
Because, huh? Because they kept the word. In other words, their emphasis was the word of God. The emphasis wasn't prayer. The emphasis wasn't praise and worship. The emphasis wasn't the moving of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. It wasn't all these things. It was the Word. Not that they didn't have those things, but it was the Word. And we need to build our life on the Word of God if we're not going to get off in the way we pray, not get off in the way we move with the Spirit and start getting in the wrong spirits and get off weird and get all kinds of stuff going on that is not of God. See, a lot of folks get off and get weird and so that because the Word is at number one in their life. The Word needs to be the final authority in our life. And that's how we're building this church. And so I think, you know, I think we're a lot like Philadelphia. So if you're wondering, well, what church are we among the seven? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. We're a word church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we don't have the spirit. That don't mean we don't have other things. No. But number one, we're a word church. We're always going to come back to the word of God and judge everything according to the word of God. That's how we build our life. And that will cause us to be a successful church, just like the church at Philadelphia. Then there's the church at Laodicea. Laodicea, lay, 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 laying around. Church is just kind of laying around. He, Jesus said to this church, he said, you know, you're neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm. You are lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not fired up. No, you're not cold. You're not like a bunch of heathens, but you're lukewarm. And you know what? To the Lord, that was unacceptable. He actually said, I'd rather you either be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. And he said, because you're lukewarm, if you continue to be lukewarm, I'm going to spoo you out of my mouth. In other words, up and out of the body of Christ. Out of the body of Christ. That's, that doesn't sound good to me. I want to stay a part of the body of Christ. I want to stay in the body of Christ. But he said, I'll spoo you out of my mouth. See, the Lord doesn't want lukewarmness. If you ask folks, like ask yourself... On a scale of one to three, would you rate yourself as on fire for God, on fire for his word, on fire for the things of the spirit? Or, that's, that's number one. Or number three, man, you just don't have time for God. You're not interested in things of God. You're just, you know, you got a lot going on. Or number two, that... I love God, and I, you know, and I, and I, and I want to know Him, and I serve Him, and everything else. You know, I, I know I need to. I know I need to be better. That's number two. So, on a scale of one to three, which are you? Do you know the answer? Yes. Not what you want to be. What are you? Most Christians will answer number two. Most Christians will say, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm. Not, I'm. Not, yeah, but I'm not." I'm not all in. I mean, I'm in, but I'm not, I'm not all in. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. So we cannot accept that. If our master does not accept that from us, then we don't accept that of ourselves. Say, I will not accept anything except a fired up faith in God. Hallelujah. That's it. That's all, that's, that's all there is. All there is. All there is in the kingdom of God is fanatics. That's it. They're, they're all fanatics. Every one of them is a bunch of fanatics. So you might as well just get fanatical. You might as well just get in and get hot. Get hot. You know, we act like hot is like some kind of special thing, you know, like, man, we got to get fired up for God. Huh? That's how we live. Our God is a consuming fire. He lives in us. And it's really not us trying to get fired up. It's just us yielding to the fire that's in us. Let the fire of God burn through you. Let the fire of God flow through you. Let the passion of Jesus rise up in you. I'm telling your God, 
is a consuming fire. He is passionate, and he's on the inside of you. You don't have to try to be anything. All you got to do is believe in him. Believe, 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 and you'll be fired up. Believe, believe. Just walk around believing. Ooh, fire's in me. Oh, Jesus. I am fired up because I got a fiery God on the inside of me. You got to say these things. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Stop looking at your works and look at the fire that's on the inside of you. Just turn it loose. Turn it loose. Stir it up. How do you do that? Open your mouth. Open your mouth and begin to talk like that. Can you say amen? amen. Then we move into chapter 4. I love chapter 4 because it gives us insight into the very throne of God. I mean, think about it. If someone among us had a vision, went up to heaven, wouldn't you want to sit down with them and ask them, now what did you see? What was it like? What did it look like? Explain it to me. Describe it to me. That's exactly what we have here in chapter 4 of Revelation. We've got John describing heaven the best he can. Best he can. He's describing it to us. And so I encourage you, go, go, go spend some time in there. Get familiar with where you're going. Oh, hallelujah. We're all going there. I said, we're all going there. We're going to see this exact place that's been described here in Revelation chapter 4. We're going to see it. And we're going to see him who sits on the throne. We're going to see him. We're going to worship right before his throne. Glory to God. And so that's Revelation chapter 4. And you can read that and, and, and look into that. And get insight into heaven. And then over in chapter 5. Chapter 5. I want to say this too about uh, chapter 4. You know, it describes their worship up in heaven. You know, their worship up in heaven isn't weird. In other words, it's not something we can't relate to down here on earth. I, I mean, think about this. Let's just look at it for a second. Just, just come back here for a moment. It says here, like in verse 8, And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. Nobody gets away with anything up there. <laughs> You've got creatures. They see everything. It's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God he makes us ready. And they do not rest day or night saying, now this isn't because they have to do it. It's not like, you better keep saying this. <laughs> holy, holy, holy. No, they get to be right in there all the time. That's why they can't, they just can't stop going, holy, 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 Because, you know, the longer you're in there, the more you learn about them. And the more things you see that you never saw before. It never gets old. God's word never gets old. God never gets old. The things of God never get old. Things of the flesh, they get old after. Well, you get bored of stuff, you know. You got to get an upgrade. You got to change some things. You know, your, your phone was exciting for a few months. But now, you've got to get the next one. Right? I mean, every, everything just, everything gets old. If you don't watch, if you live life in the flesh, then you'll be, you'll be, you'll be leaving your family, you'll be leaving everybody, because they all get old. You know, everything in the flesh gets old, you know. <laughs> you don't want to live life in the flesh. But the things of the Spirit are being renewed day by day by day by day by day by day by day. So, I mean, we, he, these folks get up there, and you think, well, how long have you been up here? Eons. Eons. Yeah. Eons. Wow. And they're just as excited, probably even more excited today than they were an eon ago. You, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, because it just gets deeper. It just keeps getting better and better and better. They, I mean, the more there, the more, more understanding you get, the more understanding you're able to get. Because revelation builds upon revelation. So, so the more you've seen, the more you can see. And you just see more and more and more. He just, just gets greater and greater and greater because you realize, I didn't know you were that great. I mean, I knew you were great, but I didn't know you were that great. Yeah, and there's a lot more you don't know. Because it's endless. His greatness is endless. That's why it's so, it's so sad, Lucifer, what happened to him. In Isaiah chapter 14, you know, he got to the place where he thought he knew God. 
He thought he had him all figured out. And so he said, I'm going to ascend above the clouds. I'm going to set my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to be like the most high. And a third of the angels believed him. And they joined with him in this rebellion against God. But then Isaiah 50, was it Isaiah 52? Where it says, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In other words, the arm of the Lord was revealed, and it's in its context talking about the resurrection of Jesus. The arm of the Lord was revealed. But you know, God created the heavens and the earth with his fingers. They're the work of his hands. They're the work of his hands. But the devil, you know, he thinks he's got, got all figured out, and he rises up against God, and man, he got flicked down so hard. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I mean, it wasn't like this big battle. God's like, Michael, get in here. They're knocking down the gates for crying out loud. Can't you see they're knocking down the gates? Get out there and stop these demons. Heaven's running around, you know. They're invading. They're invading the kingdom. The Bible says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. He looked at him, huh? And angels come up going, dun 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 And God went, and that was it. That was it, man. They all went flying back down to the earth, hit this place, man, so hard it caused dust to go up in the earth, cover the whole earth, and the water and everything just froze, and that's where you get your ice age. But we can't get into all that. That's, that's when we study Genesis. <laughs> but notice this here. They do not rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy. Now stop. Can you say, holy, holy, holy? Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Can you do that? See, it's not weird. See, our worship isn't so far from the worship of heaven. It's not like we're just these pitiful creatures down here. No, actually, it looks exactly like what we do down here. I mean, we understand it. It's in a language we understand. We, you understand? I mean, we, 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 you know, we do this. This is what we do. Say, it's not like heaven. Now, when you get to heaven, there's this really different kind of worship. No, no, there's music, there's instruments, there's singing. It's what you see down here on earth. So we're not so far from it. Remember, we've been created in his image and in his likeness. What makes everything so different is sin and the powers of darkness. But you and I as new creations in Christ Jesus and the way we worship God, it's, I mean, we're, when we get to heaven, it should not be a culture shock to us. We shouldn't just be like, we're standing there and angels going, holy, holy, holy. We're going, I feel a little funny raising my hands. I feel a little funny saying that. I, I don't know. I don't, who's watching me? Well, you see, if you come out of a dead church and you make it to heaven, then that's how exactly, you got, it's going to be culture shock. I never seen anything like this. this is weird to me. But for us, it's not weird. We do that all the time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Holy, holy. See, that's become, that's become normal. The culture of heaven has become our culture. That's just who we are. Oh, and by the way, we're not going to change the culture of the church in order to reach those that don't understand it. We're not going to go ahead and play Led Zeppelin and some kind of rock music and so that we become more appealing and more of a comfortable place for heathen to come and to find Jesus. No, they're going to find Jesus by experiencing a taste of heaven right here on earth. By recognizing we're not like this filthy world. We're a whole lot different. So, you know, for us, it's, it's, it's normal. Worship and praising God. That's, uh, that's, that's normal. But it's not for a lot of churches. 
I mean, the church that I was raised in was dead. You know, it was a denominational church. You didn't do something like that. My goodness, you did something like that in the church. They, they, I don't know what they'd do. They'd, they'd, they'd think you're nuts. They'd just that guy's nuts. He's crazy. I knew there was something wrong with that Frazier. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, right? I mean, they'd just they, they'd, they'd keep doing it. They'd, you know, who knows what they'd send after you to get, out, to get you out of that place. Maybe the police. Call the police on you. You know, in the middle of the service, you start praising God. Glory to God. That's good preaching, priest. You don't do that. You just don't do that. But then again, they do in heaven. And that's, what we're, that's where we're going. So we might as well get ready for it. We might as well act like it. Can you say amen? All right, chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. Verse one and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Notice, nobody was found worthy to open this scroll. Verse 4, So I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Well, what, what is in it? Well, it's revelation of God. It's revelation of the purposes of God. It's the truth. It's truths pertaining to God. And nobody was unable to open it. Nobody was able to even look at it, to read what was in it. Verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain. Notice that. The elder says to him, hey, don't, don't weep. Behold, or look. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's worthy. So at this point, what do you expect to turn around and see? A lion. But what does he turn around and see? He's a lamb. He sees the lamb. The elder said, look, the lion. He turned around and he saw the lamb. See, we've got to understand that the Lord is both a lion and a lamb. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we are to behold both the goodness and severity of God. He is good and he is as gentle as a lamb. But he is fierce as a lion. He is, his judgments are very severe. So when we see the lion, when the lion is in manifestation, when God's judgments are in manifestation, we need to also see the lamb, not lose sight of the lamb. When you see the lion, don't lose sight of the lamb. But, but watch out. Watch out for just uh, beholding the lamb and losing sight of the lion. And that's where a lot of churches are today. And that's why a lot of churches lack the fear of God. They do. They lack the fear of God. A lot of Christians lack the fear of God because it's all about love and the sweet Lamb of God who came and gave His life for us. Thank God for it. And it's all about, you know, God is good and God is merciful and God forgives and God is forgiven and Jesus hung on that cross for you and me and He took all our sins and God just loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he's got a plan for your life. And it's all good. And it's all one. And if that's all you hear, and you never hear about him being severe, and that he'll spoo you out of his mouth, and if you don't repent, he'll throw you into a sickbed with Jezebel. You know, if we lose sight of the judgment of God, and we just behold his goodness, we're going to end up being undisciplined and just licentious, lawless. 
Right? On the other hand, there are churches that are very legalistic. And they know God's a God of judgment. They know that. But they've lost sight of his mercy. They've lost sight of that. And so they're over here, and they're very legalistic. Very legalistic. But you see, we're not to be licentious or legalistic. We're supposed to have, behold both the goodness and severity of God. And if we behold them both, we're not going to be licentious or legalistic, but we're going to walk in liberty. We're going to walk in the freedom that the Word of God brings when we behold Him accurately, correctly. See? But a lot of folks, they don't want to. There's a lot of folks, they, they, won't, they don't even want to talk about the severity of God because it scares people, turns people away. They don't want to put any pressure on people. They want to make people happy. So you keep coming back. See, they don't love the people. They love a big church. They love having numbers. They don't love you. Because whom the Lord loves, he corrects. He chastens. He disciplines. You spare the rod, you hate your child. That's what the book of Proverbs says. God don't hate you. He's going to use the rod on you. And we got to appreciate the rod of God. Hallelujah. We got to appreciate the staff and the rod. Right? That's what keeps us, that's what keeps us fearless through the valley of the shadow of death. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, that rod is that rod of correction. That staff is the staff of a shepherd, leads and guides, and protects and guards us. But we need them both. We need them both. We need to appreciate both of them. You know? The correction doesn't feel good at the time. But we need to learn to enjoy that and want that just as much as we want encouragement and hope and all the good, merciful, wonderful things that God has to offer us. We, 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 we want the correction too. We need that. In fact, in all honesty, we need the correction more than anything else. To neglect that is just self-destructive. It really is. You're not going to make it very far. Because we need correction. I need correction. Well, I do know about you. We, we, need, we, we need correction. We need, <laughs> we need correction. We need, corre- <laughs> we need correction more than anything else. Can you say, but that's not nice. That's not, no, it's love. That's what it, it don't feel, it don't look nice. It don't sound nice, but it's love. That's what it is. Some people think love is, you know, the, the warm, fuzzy feelings. You know? Oh, she put her arms around me and she's loving me. I felt these cold chills go down my spine. And that's because her ice cream started dripping on you. That's why. Anyway. But notice this here. Understand that none of us are worthy to even look at the truths of God, let alone understand them. Do you understand? We're talking about God here. We're talking about perfection, total purity. None of us are worthy to even look upon him, to look into his word, to, to, to learn about him. Learn about him? Who are you? To learn about God. See, none of us are worthy. But Jesus, he came and he lived like the Father. Or he let the Father live through him. And he lived a perfect life. He lived in absolute perfection. And was found worthy as a man to open the seals. And through him, you and I being in him are now worthy to open the word of God and understand our father. To actually hear from him, learn from him, be taught by God. This is incredible. This is what we have. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through him all these things are opened up to us. We have no right of our own to even mention his name. But he makes us worthy. He makes us worthy. Can you say amen? Aren't you glad he made you worthy? Hallelujah.
See, there's mysteries that have been hidden before the world was created over in Romans chapter 16. And in verse 25, it says, Now to him who is able to establish you. See, he's the one establishing us. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. See, there were so many things kept secret until Jesus came and made it possible for us to be able to look into it. (laughs) Hallelujah. I mean, he even said to his disciples, he says, I have many things to say to you, but you are not able to handle them now. Why? Because they're not born again yet. They haven't been made spiritually alive. They're not in Christ yet. But after his resurrection, they're in him and his spirit is in them. They're one now with God. And now they're able to start grasping revelation of God and start understanding God in a way that they never could have before. See, Jesus made the way. He made the way not only to go to the Father when we die, but he made the way for us to know the Father today. He is the way to the Word. He is the Word. He's what gives us understanding of the Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verse 6 it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet... Not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, which are coming to nothing, by the way. Demons, evil spirits, they're all coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. So many things Kept secret, kept secret that God is revealing to you and I. I mean, there's things God is revealing to you and I that the Bible says angels desire to look into. Angels that have been around like for eons, they're looking at us to learn about him. Because there's things being revealed to us as sons of God that they've never seen, they've never understood before. It's been a mystery. It's been kept secret since forever. But now through Jesus, it's all opened up to us. How could we neglect so great a gift, so great a salvation? Thank God we're not. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God forever. Chapter 6. Chapter 6. And it begins to talk about the four horses of the apocalypse. Horses represent movements. Movements. And so here he's revealing to us four movements to take place in the last days. Now, again, the last days, when did the last days, when did they start or when did they start? Well, it started in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when God poured out his spirit. You remember, Peter stood up. And he began to explain to the people what was happening. And he said, this is what was prophesied or spoken by the prophet Joel. That it will come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So the spirit was poured out. He said, it will come to pass when? In the last days. So that's when the last days Begin is when the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. So here are four movements to take place in the last days. And it intensifies as we get closer and closer to the end of the last days. We get to the last of the last days. And so in um, chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. 
And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, many people have said in their teachings on on these things that this represents the Antichrist. But there's absolutely no scriptural basis to come up with that. Because there's nothing here that indicates anything antichrist. White, throughout the word of God, has always been a symbol of purity and holiness. Not something counterfeit, something evil. So this isn't something evil. A lot of folks think it's evil because it's connected to these other three very, very bad horses. These other three movements. But actually, this first movement is the church rising up in the earth in the last days. And it started on the day of Pentecost. How many people know that was a move of God? That was a move of God. The Spirit of God was poured out, and thousands just started getting saved, born again. And the church just grew. Just like, it seemed like overnight, you know, and then just a few years, it just grew. Massive. And just started turning the world upside down. I mean, it was a mighty move of God as they went forth conquering and to conquer. The Bible tells us that you are, as a Christian, more than a conqueror. You are a conqueror and even more so. We are going forth conquering and to conquer. I mean, that's why we're here, friends. In case you don't know it, you are here to conquer. You are here to subdue evil. You are here to conquer people that are in the kingdom of God and make them captives of their... Conquer those that are in the kingdom of darkness and make them captives of the kingdom of God. Amen. And of course, a a captive of the kingdom of God is a citizen of the kingdom of God. But we're to bring people into the kingdom of God. We're to be conquering. Jesus came on a mission from God the Father to conquer. And I got news for you. You're on a mission from God to conquer. You're not here just to survive. You're not here just to make it. You're here to conquer. And so that's what this white horse represents. And I got news for you. We're still in the last days. The church is still here. The Spirit of God is still here. And so we should be Rising up and moving forth, moving in the Holy Spirit, moving in God, moving by His power, and seeing God move in great manifestations all across the land and sweeping people into the kingdom of God. The church church has gotten weak, and the church has slumbered since its beginning. Thank God it it has had times of revival. From the Spirit of God, where, where God just woke him up and found some folks that were faithful to him, that were on fire for him, and used them to just wake up the body of Christ and stir things up, stir up various different truths in the Word of God, revive them again in people's hearts. And we've seen that. You know, there's been several revivals over the centuries. And, friend, I believe you and I are to be a part and are going to be a part of the greatest of the greatest revivals and moves of God that this world has ever seen. I believe you and I who are living in the last of the last days are going to see the greatest move of God that's going to make the early church look like nothing. We are going to turn and, and, and totally rearrange this world. Can you say amen? It's going to happen. Now we got all kinds of proof in the scriptures concerning it. And I'm fired up about it. And you need to be fired up about it. You need to declare these things, talk about these things, get excited about these things. Because when you're excited about these things, we're going to see these things come to pass. <laughs> Hallelujah. In your life, in your day, in your time. Some say, some say this is my time. Because it's God's time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's our time 
to see God arise in his glory, right? Because Isaiah, for example, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise and shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his spirit will be seen upon, his glory will be seen upon you. Woo, hallelujah. Time of deep, deep, deep darkness. Deep dark. That's where we are right now. How many people know the darkness is only getting deeper? It's getting thicker. That's the time that you and I are in. So that's the first move. It's the move of the church. They got a crown. What do you mean? They got authority in the name of Jesus. They got a bow. What is that? That's their covenant with God. We got a covenant with him. Verse 3. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Great sword. And so this is something that is also increasing in the earth. People being killed. People being murdered. Of course, there's been wars that have killed. So many millions of people have died in some of these epic wars that have just happened, you know, uh, in this last century. Just an just unprecedented amount of people perishing, being killed, blood being shed. But as we continue into these last days, it's like peace is just being taken from the earth. Death just seems to be overtaking. People are dying. People are getting murdered, killed. People are are full of fear. But I got good news for you. The white horse is still here. In the midst of the fear, the white horse is still here. We still are here riding, riding through the land. And though peace is being taken from the earth, it's not being taken from us. Why? Because this peace we have, the world didn't give it to us, and the world can't take it away. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I'm rapturing you. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Right? He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. We've got peace that surpasses all understanding God in our hearts and minds. So we're not going to, you got to get a hold of this. We're not going to imitate the world. I got news for you. The world's going to lose its peace. But not you and I. We're going to continue to restore peace in people's souls and in people's minds. And there's territories we're going to hang on to. And we're going to say, no, you're not taking the peace from this city. You're not taking peace from this, the United States. You're not, you're not taking peace from this land. As long as we're here, we're going to keep God's peace in this piece of territory that we possess in Christ, right? He said, wherever wherever your feet tread, he said, that'll belong to you. It belongs to us. So, red horse, we got a faster horse. He said, we got a faster, our horse is faster. Can you say Amen. Then there's the third seal with the black horse, which represents economic hardship and famine. And then there's the fourth seal, which reveals this fourth horse, which is a a pale horse, which represents widespread death in the form, again, murder, but also hunger, famine, sickness, disease, plagues of all kinds. That's what that fourth horse represents. And we're going to see those things in these last days to some degree. I believe there's a time coming where all these things are going to come in their fullness, just like the church. The church is going to walk in the fullness of the glory of God. The fullness of the faith of Jesus Christ. But then we're going to see this murdering spirit functioning in its fullness. We're going to see this famine spirit functioning in its fullness. We're going to see death, disease, functioning in its fullness in these last days. But we fear no evil because thou art with us. And again, our horse is faster. 
Verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They were under this altar and they were to be held there in this place until all those who would be martyred like them would come and join them. And of course, this agrees with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, where it says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Let me read that from the Amplified Classic. Because God had us in mind and had something better and greater in view for us, so that they, these heroes of faith, should not come to perfection apart from us before we could join them. God's got special things for those that have laid their lives down for him. And as we see, as we go through the book of Revelation, there's going to be a lot of folks that do just that in the, in the last of the last days. During the great tribulation, many people will be laying their life, many Christians will be giving their life to the Lord. But they're heroes in the faith. That's not sad. It's awesome. It's an awesome, awesome display of, of faith in the Lord and, f- and love for the Lord. Incredible display of faith and love. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God forever. So we'll conclude there for tonight. Glory be to God. Did you receive some good things from the Lord? Yes. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand on our feet. Let's thank him. Let's thank him for the word tonight. Praise God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.